First and Pod, hosted by Danny Parkin and Andrew Filipponi. You said there's going to be a team in the AFC. I don't know if their defense fits the bill, but I know their offense does. Cincy Atlanta. This was the easiest bet of the day. I loved Cincy. Yeah, I hammered the Bengals too, by the I way. I did too. But the end of the first half gave me flashbacks to all the ways that Atlanta had backdoor covered good teams. Yeah. Like the Rams uh, earlier this year and like the Bucks with the touchdown yes. field goal sequence that they had. Yeah, no, so. it, it, betting against Atlanta, they've been undefeated against the, the spread. It's scary. But has Cincy weathered the storm and now having you saying, okay, early season blip, they're back to being a legitimate, you know, division threat, playoff threat? Well, they've really given up all – even like intentions of running the ball, which I'm fine with. I'd rather have them just do what they do best over and over again than be stubborn and just try to be balanced. So I think that's actually a smart move by them to just kind of try to evolve their offense towards just all of their pass game weapons in Burrow. And Chase I think Burns and Boyd, man, what more do you need? Yeah. And I think since he had that awful game against the Steelers, where he threw five interceptions. And then the game against Dallas where he got hit a ton. Since then, I think Burrow at 16 touchdowns, one pick or something like that. Maybe it's yeah. 17 and one. Um, Man, he looked today, and it was against a totally different opponent, but it looked like that game he had against Kansas City at the end of the regular season in Cincy last year where people started to say, oh, shit, maybe the Bengals are really good. Yeah. I mean, now Atlanta's the- defense has been consistently bad. But yeah, and and but the difference now is that we know AJ Terrell. Yeah, and the difference. Well, he left the game early. Yeah, the only yeah. the only difference now is that we've or, we've already seen the Bengals do it. So the fact that they put up a huge number against the Falcons is just you know is adding to the resume that was what they pulled off last year. But their defense this season has been fu- okay, I guess. But it was the same thing last year, and then they just rose up late in the year. So same thing. There's a precedent for them having done that before. That that that's kind of how I felt. It was that, that I wanted to frame the discussion that way. Like to me, they're they're what they were last year, and what they were last year was a team that easily could have won the Super Bowl. Um, there will I be, think there there will be teams that are a horrible matchup for them, though, like we saw with Dallas, because they they clearly tried to solve the offensive line problem and yeah. haven't, as evidenced by the Dallas game abandoning the run and his sack total. I think there were a few teams in the AFC that from a weapon standpoint, we thought before the season that they could get in there with the Bills and the Chiefs and shoot out games. Miami, because they're receivers. The Raiders, because they're receivers. The Bengals, because they're receivers. Um, that's probably it. I mean, I don't think I'm leaving maybe anybody out. Oh, Chargers, I would say. Yeah, yeah Chargers. But yeah. I, I would say from, from that group of four teams – I would say the Bengals and the Dolphins had the potential to be that, and the other two don't. So I think that third team is either going to be Miami or Cincinnati. Yeah, the Chargers' injuries are just so devastating. And maybe I'm starting to – we'll talk about it. I mean, the Herbert thing to me now is at least worth talking about. Yeah, well, all right. We'll we'll, we'll get to that game. That game is deservedly further down the rundown here. (laughs) 
Because, uh, I mean, the games fell off kind of quick, I felt like, today. But um, there were close ones, but I don't know. It was a week slate for me. Dallas-Detroit. Dak was back. He apparently picked this as his opponent. How bullish should Cowboys fans be uh, on their team now that Dak's back? Yeah, I think I, I, I think I would have been before this game. And I don't think this game would make me feel any better. Because they just had Dak play like Cooper Rush today. And what they really did was just wait for the Lions to self-implode, which they did. They just waited for the Lions to beat the Detroit Lions. And that's how they got out of there with a win on with a win on, on paper that looks way more convincing than it actually was if you were tracking and following that game. Um Goff. Had good numbers coming into this game, but we know what he is. And Campbell, I guess, is still winless on the road. Did you know that? He's 0-11-1. Yeah, I did know that. That's great. That's great. And he owns his shit more than any coach, which I think is a redeeming quality for the media that after games when they lose and, like, he gets a fourth down call wrong or something happens, he's just like, you know, most coaches just, you know, are really – bullheaded about this shit. And he's just like, yeah, I fucked that up. And I think we like that about him. There's a likability quotient with this guy that I think is going to allow for him to keep this job, even though he isn't really qualified. I told you that a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, dude. I love this guy. I would hate it if he coached my team, but I love that he's coaching a team. Like, It's great. <laughs> it's fantastic. Like we, The NFL is just better. With, with with Dan Campbell in it. they I'd be fine with them. Like, the Cardinals are on in-season hard knocks. Like, the Lions should be on preseason or in-season hard knocks and rotate every year. <laughs> I'm totally fine with it. It's great. Uh, they need DeAndre Swift back, by the way, to yeah. be fun and be my Big 12 NFL team uh, that they were the first few weeks of the and season. And St. Brown got hurt in this game again, too. So Yeah, they need their speed on offense to make golf tolerable. Um the the Cowboys thing, I'm basically with you. It's I don't know how fair it is because it's his first game back and he was efficient. He was 19 of 25 passing, wasn't really driving the ball down the field, looked a little hesitant to me to, to the eye test. Um, but the numbers didn't really back that up. But it just seemed like he was just getting it out quick, dumping it down, like had no interest in like really hanging in there. Um it's like if they would have had that score, and obviously if it was against a great defense, you'd be fine with it. But even if it was against like a middling defense, you'd be like, oh, okay, it's just rust. But you, even though we mentioned the idea of him playing like Cooper Rush, Lions are a bottom five defense in the NFL. Yep. It feels – it just felt like they should have been able to make – I know they ended up with 24, but like you said, it was misleading and it was helped by turnovers more than their offense – being explosive. It, it felt like their offense should have been able to sustain longer drives in that game, have 400 yards of offense. Like just nothing about Dallas seemed ready, but obviously the NFC is so wide open and their pass rush is great. So obviously they're going to be a factor, but I was not impressed today. Yeah. Yeah. They played that game to win and not really like work on things that might make them better in the big picture. Um, the AFC South, invitational today between the Colts uh, and Titans. And now now Tennessee 
is back from the dead with four straight wins, but they've really just beaten the teams in their division who are all either just bad or underachieving. So here's your chance to talk about the team that you hate the most in the league, the Titans, and the fact that we'll probably have to watch them play a Saturday afternoon wildcard weekend game again this year. I mean, well, yeah, dude. So first of all, before I talk about the Titans, we are going to just have to reference. We should we should do it like uh, they they want bit they want weekly bits, like the Matt Ryan misleading box score of the week. Because <laughs> last week I was like, oh, forty two of fifty eight, three touchdowns, no picks, no sacks against Jacksonville. Like Matt Ryan kind of figured it out. Yeah. Okay. It just took him a while. He figured it Narrator's out. Narrator's voice. He did not figure it out. <laughs> he looked terrible. Yeah. He went he looked terrible. So I I don't understand what's going on with that team or this division. And my weekly update on what the AFC South odds are, your Tennessee Titans back to being the gambling favorite at only minus one fifteen. Colts plus one sixty five. Jaguars plus 500 to win the AFC South Texans at like 15 to one, but this division stinks. Whoever wins this division is going to be a home underdog in the playoffs. They are terrible. They are unwatchable. We should also put these teams at the bottom of the rundown going forward. What it's come down to for me is that both have star running backs and one guy is getting better. Henry at three has three straight 100 yard games. Yeah. And just Taylor, who was the number one overall pick in so many fantasy leagues, has just been a colossal disappointment for them when he should be in his prime and he should be one of the best players in the league. The final thing on Matt Ryan and the Colts in general that I'll say, Danny, is, you know, having lived it with Big Ben the last couple of years, when you have that like Hall of Fame or right below a tier quarterback at the end, you just experience these highs and lows on a weekly basis where they tease you and then they remind you almost simultaneously that they're not what they used to be. And Phillip Rivers did that. And Eli Manning did that. And Ben did that. And these quarterbacks that are like that just do that for an entire season because they're almost incapable of being consistent. So I think Indy could still win like eight or nine games, but it's not going to be pretty. And Ryan will probably have four or five more games that have us on here. Like, Holy shit. He looked great. And then have five, four or five more games that make us feel like he should retire tomorrow because that's just what these guys are at, are when they're 38, 39 years old. So, yeah, good, good for Colts fans that you're basically locked into Matt Ryan for next year. So, <laughs> yes. you, have to, you have to experience this for 24 more games or whatever it is. My guy, Gino, hangs 37 on the Chargers. When is this going mainstream, Pony? When does the national media start not just making the jokes about him compared to Russ, but when do we start talking? I know it wasn't huge, only 210 passing yards, but yeah. the, the degree of difficulty on some of those throws was pretty high. Again, I, I am a believer in Geno Smith. When does he start getting credit and not just being some sort of novelty act here? Well, a couple things. If he does it now that Metcalf is out, he was carted off the field. This was not like a, he has to take a shit moment like the last time. I think right. this was actually a legitimate injury. Seems like okay. it, yeah. Yeah, okay. So 
or if he's just always getting carted off to go to the bathroom, that is just like a baller ass. Yeah, I'm just saying, pretty swaggy. Game. Yeah, but also just you know, there's some boy who cried wolf there with him. Um, you know, DK Metcalf one yeah. catch, twelve yards. Yeah, so you know, if he has to do it without him, then that would make it even more impressive. Um, I do think that some of the shine is going to go to Walker because he's also a shiny new toy and he was awesome today at running back. And then I think the other thing that actually hurts Gino is what Saquon Barkley is doing because I think Barkley right now gets the, you know, guy who's having the biggest rebound season. The giants are six and one and he's the comeback player of the year. And then Geno Smith is like the next guy. And the thing that's cool about that is those two teams play next weekend. So that'll be the narrative. Geno Smith playing his old team. The guy who started when Eli got benched controversially. And really a chance there if the Seahawks win that game and it's in Seattle. I think you might even see the odds in that market shift a little bit over to Geno Smith. So... I guess I mean, what I'm saying is it'll take a win like that. You play the Chargers. They were supposed to be a good team. But we talked about this, Danny. Like, those games happen, like, in another universe because nobody gives a fuck about that team, especially when they're at home, dude. Right. No, they play 17 road games. They did uh, – so I watched the game today at the River Sportsbook. So – Nice pop for them. Yeah, it was great. But there was – so, you know, no like, no Bears – no red zone. Like you could literally just watch in its entirety every game, bounce around, focus on the games that you cared about based on the moment, your bets or whatever. And they had sounds predominantly on Packers commanders, but uh, I was watching a lot of this game and they put up the graphic and did like the timeline of Gino's career. And it's like, all right, he wasn't a first round pick. He was a second round pick. You remember that. And then he it's obviously the Jets terrible franchise and then he's just backing up good quarterbacks right he's with the Giants behind Eli one year with the Chargers in 2018 then he's backing up Russ in Seattle like why is it not within the realm of possibility that Geno Smith was a victim of a horrible organization, bad offensive coaching, multiple systems, and then went and played behind three high-level talents and only got spot starts and did okay, by the way, at least in terms of win-loss, in those spot starts, and then now gets his chance with two legitimate receivers until Metcalf today. And all of a sudden is like a legitimate starting quarterback for the next five years. He's 32. What why yeah. why is that not possible? Well, because it's just so it's just it doesn't really happen that often anymore because there's there's such there's such little patience with these guys that if they're not good almost instantaneously, they're kind of lost to the dustbin of quarterback history. Well, right, but I guess so, my point is he it's not like he's been given a chance to win jobs the last five years and lost them. Well, I think the problem is because I watched the guy in his entire college career too. I think just what happened was the book was he played in a system in college in the Big 12 where yeah. they just points were scored plentiful points. He didn't have to really do any reading of defenses to be good, just kind of the way that that that, that league 
played its games for such a long time. Wasn't a first round pick, even though the guy's got a great arm and great size. And just, I think like, I think Danny, just the expectations weren't high enough for him to get multiple chances. You know? Fine. Like, even if I grant all of that, like it just, my eyes are telling me that that guy is a top 32 starting quarterback in the NFL. I would agree with that so far based on what we've seen this season. Yeah. And it just, it's, it's to me, that's interesting in terms of like how we, like even these teams that have him in camp and have film on him still evaluated him as a backup and a backup and a back. That's three different organizations where they just brought him in to just be a backup to an entrenched starter. Well, and he no might end up gave him a shot. And he might end up costing Seattle the pick that would get them the next franchise quarterback because he plays too well. Yeah. For them to do that. I think he's the best story in the NFL. Mm. From the LA standpoint, man, like Herbert is a rich man's version of Trevor Lawrence. In that we've seen him, unlike Lawrence, we've seen him put up huge numbers. And we've also like, but we've also crowned him prematurely in a way. Like, come on, man. You got, I know the rib thing, but come on, dude. You can't be losing. Everything you just said about Geno Smith is true. But we've seen teams just mutilate the Seahawks defense. Go out there and just Light them up, bro. You got Keenan Allen back. Light them the F up. Yeah. That's I mean, two, not two asking too much. Two targets for Keenan Allen. That didn't make a lot of sense. Um, I, he shouldn't I, be a quarterback graded on a curve. That's all. He's in his third year now. Like, no, I thought I, he was going to throw I, 50 I know, touchdown passes this year. I, like, I – him coming in with Anthony Lynn – and having 31 touchdowns as a rookie, it was just like, oh, that guy's good. But he passes your eye test in terms of what he can do with the football, too. That's the other thing. Well, sort of, think, yeah, but, 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 and the production, like, like two defensive, like, you know, or Anthony Lynn, terrible coach, no game management awareness whatsoever, was dead man walking the whole year. Sure. Defensive coach comes in. And yeah, he's got everything you could possibly want around him when healthy. So that's the thing. Like, he's got Williams, he's got Allen, he's got Eckler, he's got Slater, he's got Lindsley. Like, he's he's got one of the best offensive supporting casts in the entire league, line and skill position guys. So he should be productive. But then he has the eye test and he's done it. Like the, the, he hasn't now he hasn't won. Uh, but the number the numbers are there and the eye test is there. I'm just so disappointed I, in him this year. I, I think it's I think it's fair. I just I Again, I I probably go by eye test a little bit more than I should. I think that guy is special. And so I will assume that there's something going on with the rib injury still. Call me okay. call me an apologist for him. That's fine. I think you I think, are. I think at okay. this point you are. That's fine. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs>